Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Dr. Stacy Johnston, Chief Applications Officer at Baptist Health. In part one, Johnston talks about how working with analysts at a previous organization helped prepare her to lead an EPIC implementation. The many benefits of having clinicians participate closely in an EHR build. Why a go-live should be treated as the beginning and not the end and what she believes are the two most important components of any major initiative. We'll get to our interview in a moment, but first, a brief word from our sponsor. Your organization doesn't compromise on patient care, so why compromise on the endpoints you deploy? iGEL is the ultimate operating system for healthcare organizations using VDI, DAS, or SAS. And we're offering a free laptop on which to experience iGEL's No Compromise OS. Just visit igel.com slash why compromise. The first thing I wanted to do was to get a really basic overview of Baptist Health. So you're in Jacksonville, Florida. Can you just talk a little bit about like the size of the system? Yeah, we are currently a five um, hospital system. One of those hospitals is a, a regional children's hospital that's nationally ranked. We're building out a sixth hospital that will come live after our Epic Go Live, so sometime in this fall. And we have almost 200 ambulatory clinic type of touch bases. We scale into Georgia and all the way over near Tallahassee with our clinics, and we are continuing to grow. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And I know that that's a pretty populated area, so I'm sure that part of the strategy to be able to provide that coverage. It is. I believe that Jacksonville for cities is in the top 10th in the mm-hmm. country in terms of growth, certain size city, you know, for larger cities. Yeah. And so we are seeing continued growth in, in the area, which again is, is a great opportunity for us here at Baptist. Yeah. So now in your role as chief application officer, what do you really consider to be like your core objectives and kind of who do you report to? Sure. So I report to the CIO directly. I was the chief medical information officer. They brought me in as the associate chief medical information officer as what we called like the heir apparent to CMIO when the CMIO retired. So I've been here for not quite four years yet. And I started out as the ACMIO for a little more than a year, a year and a couple of months. And then I became the CMIO for literally, it was like four months. And then mm-hmm. The decision to move to Epic and that they asked me to lead up the Epic implementation. So I'm the Epic program executive leading that entire implementation up. And I grew up cutting my teeth as the chief medical information officer at a smaller community hospital where I, as the CMIO, worked closely with the analysts to build out the templates to, you know, work on best practice advisories and, you know, alerting, running reports of who's doing pajama time. So analysts didn't report to me in an HR aspect, but essentially reported to me in kind of all the bill aspects. So when I came here, the analysts didn't report to the CMIO at all in that we had some, you know, a little bit of restructuring as people transition out of the organization. We had several retirements. And mm-hmm. with that, I ended up having several analysts and their managers reporting to me mostly focusing on oncology, laboratory, and pharmacy. And so that's what I, I, I just grew up doing that. And so I always thought that analysts reported to the CMIO. Right. Because I know that that's actually pretty unusual. 
And so with the restructuring, with Epic coming, we wanted to kind of realign for what a CMIO typical responsibilities, you know, the workflows and informatics and working closely with the physicians. And so because I had been leading this Epic implementation, it made more sense for me to continue focusing on applications and And so obviously Epic is my biggest application, but it's just one of 300. Mm -hmm. Um, And so everything that feeds into and out of Epic, essentially um, all clinical and revenue cycle applications, I'll have responsibility for. So that the reason why I chose this role is I wanted to make sure that we always had ongoing optimization and focus on continued efficiencies and taking the code upgrades and and I think sometimes having a provider in this space mm-hmm. makes it easier for us to always focus on making it easier for the, the clinicians and the caregivers. And so I still see patients. I'm a hospitalist by background Okay. on the weekends. And so allowing for me to actually use the system allows for me to understand where we're hung up and what, yeah. what alerts can be gotten rid of basically. And, you know, where we have one too many clinics you know, kind of always think about making it more efficient for our end users. So this was a kind of a leap of faith for me. I've always, I've been a CMIO and serving in that role for 10 years. So to move over to applications um, was something I had never led before, but at least in a formal sense, but I, I think that my heart is really in applications and in everything that it takes and what I like to call make the system hum. You know, mm-hmm. I want it to work really, really well. It's not just about putting systems in, but it's about making these systems work to the best of their ability for an, any particular organization. Yeah. You know, each organization has nuances, but if you can make your system work to the best of its ability to meet your organizational needs, then I feel like I've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So as you said, it, it was a leap of faith to take this different role, but you felt like in this situation, that's where you could do the type of work that you really wanted to do and are passionate about. Yeah, exactly. I have found that I really enjoy applications and, and I enjoy working with the analysts. And most of my analysts have come from the bedside. Most of my analysts are caregivers. Mm-hmm. And so having pharmacists build out the system for pharmacy you know, is really special and having nurses build out the clinical workflows, the flow sheets, as well as the nursing assessments for their nursing colleagues, I just think is so cool. And so, you know, taking something and building it from the ground up and then as I mentioned previously, but the go live is really just the first step. I try to remind everyone that the system's not going to be perfect when we go live. Yeah. Having a really good working relationship with your clinical and operational leaders, with your clinical informaticists and your application team, you know, having that strong triangular relationship really means that we're going to be continuing to focus on continued improvements of the system and and gaining workflow efficiencies and enhancing the patient experience as well, too. Right. So really, before you even go live, just having that optimization piece in your head, but then, you know, also just really getting the message out that optimization has to start pretty much right away. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have been told uh, from our consultant counterpart that, you know, we can't begin optimization from day one. We do have to stabilize. But as soon as stabilization is over, we plan to optimize. We actually already have we have a list of 50 project requests um, and optimizations in Epic that we put in as change 
control requests throughout the you know duration of the project. We tried to put in whatever we could, but yeah. there came a time where we couldn't make any new changes. So we put them on a post-lab optimization roadmap. And some of these are implementing new modules, such as bones or genomics. And sometimes it's just a new third-party interface that we want to build out that allows for that data sharing to occur more seamlessly. Yeah. So when organizations like Baptist are putting in EPIC, really any EHR, but especially EPIC, what do you think are some of the most important points? I mean, you talked about the collaboration piece, but what do you think are some of the really important points that can help move the process along and and ensure success? Um, It's about teamwork and collaboration. So all of my meetings, team meetings begin with a welcome from me, and then they close with Some people might think it's cheesy, but some sort of inspirational story. And sometimes it's my own personal story, or sometimes it's something that I've read. But usually the theme of the story is about how we cross this journey together. You know, Mm -hmm. we talk about, you know, this being a marathon, not a sprint. And so I've actually shared a story about a marathoner that was, you know, 100 yards from the finish line and collapsed. And then another marathoner, this happened in London stopped running short, picked up this other person, literally physically carried him across to the finish line. And so I, I always bring it back to, you know, we are all in this together. We have to help each other cross the finish line. So if your application is ahead of schedule, you know, maybe reach out to those that are behind, see if there's something that you can assist with. And that, you know, and also there's, we talk a lot about grace. As I mentioned, many of these people are pulled from the bedside and yeah. they've never been analysts before. And so they're used to being, they, these analysts were actually nominated by their peers and by their direct managers. So these people are used to being at the top of their game, you know, that some of the best pharmacists, some of the best nurses out there. And then when they come in and they're analysts and they struggle with the build or struggle with some of the concepts, it's very difficult for them. And I always try to remind each other that please provide each other some grace as well as provide yourself some grace. And the fact that you're not going to be perfect, this is a new skill that you're learning and that it will continue to improve over time. Don't beat yourself up. And so we usually talk about, you know, the common themes of projects are together, helping each other out. And and that the only way we will get there together is, is through teamwork. Yeah, that's such a good point. I I really like how you put that too about grace and how important that is, especially when there's big initiative and a big change that you have to have that patience and and forgiveness. Exactly, exactly. I've also had to bring that up to our organization at our last GLRA, our last Bill of Readiness Assessment, is that the system isn't going to be perfect, but that's, it's just a phase one of EPIC, you know, and that we are going to work closely with them and continuing to optimize workflows and that it's not just our team building this, but that we're all in this together. We had over 350 physicians build out the system and over 1,200 non-physicians participate in the build. So more than a tenth of our organization participate in the build, which is huge. You know, that is so important. And each of our work groups were co-led as co-chairs were two physicians, one representing adults and one representing pediatrics. So it's really special to have that much physician engagement. And we truly, from the very beginning, said this was going to be a clinically and operationally led initiative. And I really do believe that we've held that mantra true throughout the entire implementation. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com 
backslash podcast.